0: I'd like to say tonight I'm taking the opportunity to take to introduce to you a cat who's going to set the towel on its ear. He's a good friend, a swinging
1: artist, and one of the nicest people I know. So all you first nighters at the Copacabana, here is...
2: Wonderful introduction. I don't know how much of a swinging artist I am, but uh, you know, I, I consider myself a nice guy. I try and be nice to people. So, welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me Hi, I'm Rob Elba, and this is another special patron curated episode. And what does that mean? It means that this episode is going to mostly feature patrons of our show. Uh, what is that, Rob? What's a patron? Well, these are people that went to Patreon.com. Uh, forward slash trgmh or just went to patreon.com and search for that record got me high and they became a patron of the show and uh they get the little newsletters and we get to converse with each other and they also get to submit to these little fun episodes we do and which is uh one that you're listening to right now and this episode is that live album got me high so we actually did a poll of different um themes that we could have done and this is the one that won. Uh, Got the most votes. So you will hear our various patrons uh, giving us the live album that got them high. And as always, at the end, I will give you my live album pick because it's still my show and I'm allowed to do that. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand things over to our patrons. Enjoy.
3: Hey, this is Jeff Greenstein. Choosing which live album got me high took all of four seconds, because to me, it's not even much of a horse race. Okay, James Brown at the Apollo and Sam Cooke at Harlem Square Club are in the conversation, but to me... The greatest live album of all time is Stand in the Fire by Warren Zevon. Recorded live at the Roxy in 1980 with a crack team of L.A. sidemen who'd never been heard from before or since, this album is so hot that, as the saying goes, sweat practically drips from the grooves. Zevon's studio albums can be a bit airless and hidebound at times, but on this one, he's a wild man, a cut-loose, hilarious, soulful, raving monster of rock. All the quote-unquote hits are here, including Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me, Excitable Boy, Werewolves of London, but to me, the standout is the closing medley of Bo Diddley's a Gunslinger and Bo Diddley. I was sold from the slam of the opening drum beat, and you will be too. Please, if any of you have never heard this record, or even if, like me, you're not much of a Z-Von fan, get your hands on the vinyl and play it till you can see it. Stand in the fire.
1: Bow Bo Diddley at the OK Corral Bow Bo Diddley didn't start no mess He had a gun on a ship and a rose
0: Hi, this is Dan Bonebreaker, The Lightworkers and Honest Liars. The live album that got me high is Descendants Liveage. This was more difficult to pick than I imagined. Strong competitors for this episode included Rush, A Show of Hands, Big Drill Car, Toured, Oingo Boingo, Farewell, X, Live at the Whiskey A Go-Go, The Matt's Inconcerated Live, and of course, Dashboard Confessional, Unplugged, of which I felt I couldn't pick in the same manner you don't wear your own band's t-shirt on stage. Well, at least you don't anymore. Live Edge is practically a greatest hits of Descendants' tunage. Recorded at the famed First Avenue in Minneapolis in 87, it's aggressive, it's melodic, it's fun. I love how Milo changes up the melody in some of the songs, giving them a little bit of a different feel, but still keeping them so earnest and honest. Bill, Stefan, and Carl have chops for days, and it's amazing performance by all. My friends and I wore out this cassette in high school and covered more than our fair share of descendant songs, including Clean Sheets, Coolidge, Get the Time, Wendy, Sour Grapes, Van, and Hope. Hey Descendants, thanks for playing the way you play. Enjoy!
4: Hey Rob, it's Steve Michener from Portland, Oregon, calling to tell you, since you asked, what my favorite live album of all time is. I was very excited when this category won the poll. It was the one I voted for, and the one I was most excited about. To be honest, I generally don't like the live album experience, preferring instead the definitive studio versions most of the time. However, on Deep Purple's Live in Japan album, originally released in 1972, They really captured what made that band special, and I think that never really made it to vinyl on the studio albums. The musicianship of the band is on full display here, and all of them are individually outstanding, and even better when playing off each other. Ian Gillian's vocals on Child in Time, or John Lord's distorted organ, and Richie Blackmore's guitar trading riffs and pushing each other on Lazy or the Ace Rhythm section of Pace and Glover stomping through the definitive version of Smoke on the Water. This is truly the band at the height of their powers. I always thought that Deep Purple were the missing link between Led Zeppelin and Van Halen, and I'm sure the young Eddie Van Halen was taking notes in his bedroom while Blackmore soloed. It's a true classic and set the standard for live albums of the 70s, averaging, as it did, less than two songs per side. With the gatefold sleeve making the perfect workbench to clean the stems and seeds out of your weed while you listen. The album culminates with Nirvana of a nearly 20 minute version of Space Truck. My favorite song on the album is the lead off track, Highway Star, where the band practically invents speed up, and no doubt encouraged teenage me to break the speed limit a few times in my
5: father's car. Deep Purple, live in Japan.
6: Hi, this is James from Baltimore. A bunch of live albums have gotten me high, all the way from playing air guitar to Foghat live in my friend Yoshi's bedroom when we were 13, to listening to Running On Empty on repeat during last year's obsessive Jackson Brown deep dive. So I was a little torn about what to pick, but I finally decided to go with the record that I used to like to declare the greatest live album of all time. I used to like to make all kinds of pontifical statements. Many would allege that I still do. One time, I saw Nick Hornby, who wrote High Fidelity, the all-time great emotionally stunted aging hipster novel, speak about music fandom. The compulsion to rank, he asserted, is an entirely male thing. It's thinly disguised monkey troop politics. A woman, he said, will tell you that she likes a record. A man has to locate it precisely in his personal hierarchy, say between In Utero and White Light, White Heat. In that spirit, I would like to offer for your delectation the song Fat Man in the Bathtub from Little Feet's 1978 live album Waiting for Columbus. I listened obsessively to Little Feet during what was probably the worst period in my life, a slew of unemployed post-college drunkenness and depression, but putting this record on still gets me high. Little Feet's splendid hybrid of blues and country and New Orleans funk taught this rock fan how to listen to some of the major tributaries of American popular music, and they represent a continuity in my musical education. As I learned their catalog, I encountered a number of songs that I already knew, because my father, even more obsessive compulsive than I am, was a huge Linda Ronstadt fan, and her album template for a time in the 70s would generally include a Buddy Holly song, a Warren Zevon song, and a Lowell George song. When I moved to New Orleans my own self in my 30s, the regional brand of funk represented by the Meters and Alan Toussaint were already deeply familiar to Eugene Wayne from my little team
7: My name is Todd Nolan, and the live album that got me high growing up was more accurately the live album that got me small, because I chose the comedy album Steve Martin's Let's Get Small. Sure, there have been a lot of live records and bootlegs over the years that blew my mind, but truthfully, none were played more than my original copy of Let's Get Small, which I still own to this day. Martin's first album was recorded at the boarding house in San Francisco over several nights in 1977, and it marked a huge upsurge in Steve's career to mega superstardom. He had set himself a cutoff point in his career that if he had not made it by the age of 30, he would quit comedy forever, and that date was long past by a couple of years. Luckily, that delay paid off, because his debut stand-up album went platinum, hit number 10 on the Billboard Pop Chart, and won the Best Comedy Album Grammy in 1978. All of this led up to multiple hosting and guest appearances on SNL, The Gong Show, The Muppets, and The Tonight Show, along with several successful movies, including one of my all-time favorites, The Jerk. He soon began selling out arenas to tens of thousands of fans, but four short years later after this album came out, he retired from stand-up at the height of his game. Let's Get Small is jam-packed full of witty wordplay, absurdist humor, it has truckloads of cocky attitude, it features his highly adept banjo picking, of which I am sure is solely responsible for my love of the instrument and bluegrass in general. And although Steve is quite the visually oriented comedian, probably stemming from his years as a magician, the bits featured amazingly still work on vinyl, especially if you came into it already knowing of his wild and crazy guy persona. Granted, there are a few insensitive bits that would definitely not fly in today's world, even despite his innocently naive approach at poking fun. But remember, this was recorded 44 years ago. Let's Get Small was the debut of Steve's famous catchphrase, EXCUSE ME! and also features him on the cover donning a pair of Groucho glasses, bunny ears, a bunch of balloon animals, and a fake arrow through the head, all of which were props from his act. As a young kid, this was one of my very first albums back in the late 1970s. I don't think I got it the year it came out, but it was very soon after, probably the following year when he appeared on The Muppets. It informed my sense of comedy. And through the years, I would become obsessed with many others that delved into surreal comedy like Monty Python, The Young Ones, Mitch Hedberg, Bobcat Goldthwaite, Emo Phillips, The Kids in the Hall, Maria Bamford, Robin Williams, and so many, many, many others. But as a young kid in the late 70s, Steve Martin spoke to me. I listened to this live recording so many times that I could repeat all the bits to my friends at school. And despite not being as dirty as George Carlin or Richard Pryor, I still had to listen to it through headphones. I obviously did not want to draw the attention of my mom to the naughty bits and lose my Steve Martin time forever. So, since Rob's podcast is mostly about music and not comedy per se, I chose one of the classic banjo picking numbers that actually was also released as the 7-inch single with a portion of the bit, Let's Get Small, on the B-side. This is Steve Martin's crowd sing-along ditty, Grandmother's Song.
8: Be courteous,
7: kind, and forgiving.
8: Be gentle
7: and peaceful each
8: day. Be warm and human and grateful And have a good thing to say Be thoughtful and trustful and childlike Be witty and happy and wise Be honest and love all your neighbors Be obsequious, purple and clairvoyant (laughs) Be pompous, obese and eat cactus Be dull and boring and omnipresent Criticize things you don't know about Be oblong and have your knees removed Be tasteless, rude, and offensive Live in a swamp and be three-dimensional Put a live chicken in your underwear Get all excited and go to a yawning festival Okay, everybody Be courteous, kind, and forgiving be courteous kind and forgiving good be gentle and peaceful each day be gentle and peaceful each day be warm and human and grateful be warm and human and grateful and have a good thing to say, and have a good thing to say. be thoughtful and trustful and childlike everybody on this
9: be thoughtful. hey Rob's Tom Laurie how you doing uh is it better to burn out than fade away well in 1979 I started hearing that question I still wonder today um, it's even ironic now. So Neil Young and Crazy Horse did this album called Rust Never Sleeps. Uh, and uh, it started off with five acoustic songs that could have been on any of his earlier acoustic albums, uh, including, you know, something like Harvest. And then all of a sudden it kicks in with Powderfinger into this raging rocker. And from there on out, it's just uh, defining rock and roll that I love. Still love today. Still think it's one of the harder rock and albums on that part of it. So uh, the very last song, "Hey Hey My My," you know, asks if it's better to burn out and fade away. And Russ never sleeps. And what he's talking about there is, um, I guess he met up with Mark Mothersbaugh in San Francisco, and they started, you know, working on a song. And Mark added that in, you know, Mark from Devo. And uh, and he used to work in advertising, and he stole that from a stoleum. But the concept is, uh, you know, artists that, uh, constantly change. I'd say Neil and Bowie are probably two of the best. Sometimes they, uh, they just knock it out of the park sometimes. It's a swing in a mix like, uh, trains. But, um anyway, it's, it's a great idea. It's a great concept. Along with, you know, it's better to burn out than fade away. So, uh, we can talk about that next time.
10: This is Jay Reeve, and I have two live records that got me high. First is the Jesus Lizard show, recorded live, CBGB's New York City, early 90's in their prime. It was probably my first real exposure to the Jesus Lizard, and I just listened to this album over and over and over again. Um, It captures the raw intensity. That was their live shows. David Gall, incredible frontman. Uh, they broke the mold when they made Frontman and he came out. Uh, the rest of the band, just incredible musicians. Just entertaining from beginning to end. Uh, second one is uh, Lou Reed, Take No Prisoners, double live album recorded in the late 70s, probably Street Hassle era. Um I believe it was recorded over the course of a week at the bottom line in Brooklyn. Uh it's one part comedy. That's probably what got me first is the comedy of it. Lou is just he's just um, uh sardonic, sarcastic, funny, probably high as hell most of the time. If I was to imagine him rambling on through Walk on the Wild Side, he he doesn't even finish the song. It just keeps going and going him just telling the details about record reviewers and and, uh, how he came across the uh, writing of Walk on the Wild Side. Really good. And then a bunch of other cuts were uh, Sweet Jane, I Wanna Be Black, Street Hassle is incredible, probably better than the record itself. Uh, Leave Me Alone, uh, his jokes, his, his interactions with the crowd are hysterical and the music's great and I heard this probably in 1995 when I was on tour in Iowa and uh, I heard it and I had to go out and get it. I found it somehow, I paid like $25 in 1995 for it so probably uh, this day and age it's probably well over $50 I would have paid for it. Just incredible and it captures Lou in all of his glory and uh, I really, really enjoy it, and I always picture it whenever I listen to it, I, I always um, have the visuals, actually of both albums, of what's actually happening, and I wish that they could actually re-release a box set of the Take No Prisoners, because it was a week worth of recording, and it was only cut down to a double album. There's gotta be so many more classics out there. Anyway, that's my two choices for live albums that got me high. Thank you. Enough
0: attitude to kill every person in church. Ask them if they say good.
1: came from Miami and LA. Hitchhiker. All of course, USA.
3: This is Mick Hans in Chicago, Illinois. The live record that got me high is Coffee Break by The Human Switchboard, which was a cassette-only release on a cassette-only label called Reach Out International Records. It's a 1981 live show that was originally broadcast on a Cleveland radio station, and it's a good survey of what the band was about. They really only had one major release called Who's Landing in My Hangar, which is probably what Rob's going to have to pull a cut from anyway, unless he happens to own a copy of the tape.
1: When you not home, I need your wife your foot, you're down on my shoulder I can tell you get it over You took that boot You took that boot I can walk the bone. I can walk the bone. I feel about the secret day Just like a dog.
11: Hey, it's Laughing Larry checking in for That Live Record Got Me High, and I'd like to humbly submit today something called The Humbler. Um, This was a concert recording. It wasn't set up to be a live record. Technically, it's a Robert Gordon record, but Danny Gatton is the reason that it's called The Humbler. Uh, Robert Gordon was a prior New York punk who became a rockabilly upstart in the late 70s, early 80s. He had played with Link Ray previously, and he hired Danny Gatton in a backup band to do a tour in 81. I think this concert was at Berkeley. Um, I digitized my CD collection years ago, and the liner notes are in my attic. Um, so this is going off my best recollection, but. Um, <clears throat> The sound man couldn't believe the sound check. In fact, the last song on the Humblers is called Fingers on Fire, and it is, you can tell it, it like picks up mid sound check because the sound man just freaked and decided he had to record it. Amos Garrett, the band leader, was at the show, and he got either a copy of the tape or the tape and kept it on his bus and... Anytime his band started to think they were real hot stuff and play too fancy, he he said he'd put it on and they'd all play real simple like. So uh, every track on the album is fantastic, especially if you like guitar. It doesn't matter if you like rockabilly or not. Um, I'm picking Lover Boy, but uh, you'd be happy with any of them. Enjoy.
12: Right now we're gonna do one of the new ones off a of record for you. It's called Lover Boy. <laughs> Things I should. I'm going to tell you something good I'm going to be your lover boy tonight The boys have come and gone I'm going to be the lucky one I'm going to be your lover boy tonight Hear me out, I'm telling you I'm in a world of only two I'm going to be your lover boy tonight Hold on tight and don't let go Not until your dreams come true I'm going to be your lover boy tonight you tell me that I'm the only one under a sunny, and moon and stars. star I believe the time is right I can stay right here with you all night Now I'll show you everything Feeling love and naked, bring. I'm gonna be your lover boy tonight I don't care where he's gone I'm here now to carry on I'm gonna be your lover boy tonight
13: when you hear this next one is the first song from our new album or does anybody remember laughter? You know we're talking about live albums and live albums rule. So hi Rob, host of that record got me high. We miss Barry Stock, the co-host. But I think I could say on behalf of all of us that we're glad that you are pushing on through. So anyway, neither of those two iconic albums are the record that got young Joey wrecked Maya high. The record that I choose began with, what song is it you all wanna hear? Now you know we're talking about Freebird, you know we're talking about Leonard Skinner, and you know we're talking about One More From The Road. So it's, it's more than just a sentimental choice for me, it's a song, it's an album that has really, that I loved it when I bought it, I loved it five years later, I loved it 20 years later, and old Joey Wreck Maya still loves it. It's more than just sentimental, and it's sentimental because I bought that record on the last day of school, 11th grade at Beach High. Kids were throwing shit up in the air, papers in the air, it was like a scene from Rock and Roll High School, man. Um, I walked to the bus on Collins Avenue and there was a little record store Right before Monster Burger, if anybody remembers Monster Burger, Um, and I bought this record, and and sure, the song that I knew was Free Bird, duh, Captain Obvious, uh, and Sweet Home Alabama, but you know, I played all these songs that I didn't know, and I ended up really like almost immediately liking them, and you know, I like them even more now, and their version of you know Crossroads or. The whole record is just really, really, really great. And it also produced one of my top 10 all time favorite songs is on, is from that record, Simple Man. Simple Man, I made a list of, I actually have a written list of my top 10. I actually expanded it to 13. I think Surrender is in that spot between 10 and 13. Uh, Of my top 10 favorite songs and Simple Man easily made that list, so what a record, what an album, and you know, we're not supposed to be cool on this show, that's the whole purpose of it, but but I have to just comment that, you know, that was the 70s when we bought albums. In the 1980s, my taste had evolved to punk rock, but in the 1980s, I, I don't know, punk bands that put out put out live records, plus I really was traveling and not living anywhere, so I didn't buy any Albums. What I had was cassette tapes and, you know, they broke and whatnot. But but that's not the reason. That's not the reason I cho- I choose Leonard Skinner's One More From the Road. It's because still, I still listen to it and it still blows me away. I, I mean, I absolutely love this record. So, yes, Captain Obvious, my friends. Joey Wrecked Maya gets high on Leonard Skinner's One More From the Road.
1: Eu posso
4: This is Matt. The live album that got me high is Okinokos by My Morning Jacket. It came out in 2006, but I probably heard it uh, at least 10 years after that for the first time. Um, it, they weren't a band that I was really into, but for some reason I decided to check this album out on Spotify or something. and I thought it was really awesome, so I went ahead and bought a copy of it. and It's one of those where I don't need any other album by this band because like i said i'm really not that into them but this album is pretty much just perfect
1: for for what i need for them i love it
5: record that got me high my pick is local legend charlie pickett with live at the button recorded at the button on the beach one weekend in january 1982 featuring the best version of his backing band the eggs johnny salt on guitar dave Froschneider on bass and john galway on drums charlie was heavily influenced by the early stones plus the slide of later member mick taylor as this is charlie's first album it's long on covers and short on originals but he makes the covers his own with his passionate delivery and the fiery guitar of salton these are the definitive versions of flaming groovy's covers "Shake Some action and slow death his version of lonesome cowboy bill blows away any version recorded by the velvet underground and originals american travelist and phantom train are as fine as any of the covers Criminally, this album was only released on vinyl and no digital copy is available. It's essential listening for anyone into 60s influence rock, power pop, or blues rock. So here's Charlie. Let's shake some action.
14: Carl from Phoenix Records in Waitsfield, Vermont, and I am getting back to you with the live album that got me high, and this is one that started when I was young, and I started a whole bunch of things, and the record is The Kinks, One for the Road Live, which came out in 1980, certified gold in the U.S., also charted in Belgium because Belgium, they love their French fries and their kinks. Anyway, uh, that album, I don't even know how I got turned on to it, but I just absolutely love that record. One of my older friends uh, that lived in the neighborhood I lived in also probably had it and played it, and it was the guitar crunch that got me. I know that period of the kinks the late... Late '70s, early '80s hard rock to up to through Come Dancing era is a little bit maligned in the total lexicon of the band, uh, but that crunch of Dave Davies' guitar just grabbed me and did not let go. Particularly that riff at the beginning of All Day and All of the Night, the tease on Lola, uh, Superman and especially where have all the good times gone into you really got me uh obviously that was a time when the kinks had their renaissance post van halen um and kind of got the back on track that led to 1983 my first concert which was the kinks new haven coliseum 12th row center very cool uh my dad said i could go to one concert If uh, I chose one properly, and in lieu of going to Billy Joel, thankfully, and Tom Petty, my first concert was the Kinks, New Haven Coliseum, which was a crazy place in and of itself, Uh, kind of notorious on the circuit, uh, held about 6,500 people, building was later condemned, falling down, crazy, but it was quite an experience, somebody tried to pass me a joint, my dad took me and my friend Andy drap to the show and we rocked out and the thing that really made an impression on me was Dave Davies on the stage black Les Paul and as soon as I was old enough to afford one playing in a band playing guitar I got a black Les Paul so that's where it all started it hasn't stopped yet thanks again and I'll talk
2: was our patrons you know man you guys are the best i'll tell you i i just uh i love listening i love listening to these episodes and then editing it i love because it's like super easy you send me all the stuff i just have to uh drag it in here and uh you know add the song clips and uh but it's really great and uh i really appreciate you guys thank you so much and, and in case anyone's wondering all our patrons aren't just dudes i mean this one happened to be all dudes so uh but we do have female uh, patrons as well. We have many awesome female patrons so step up a little females I guess you know uh, just about every other patron episode we've had some of our female uh, patrons contribute but this one I guess just didn't either didn't strike their fancy or they've been busy probably busy doing other things that that the dudes are just like sitting around have nothing better to do than descend and stuff so uh, I will give you a pass but uh, yeah maybe next time let's get some more uh, of our female listeners involved that would be great so I'm going to give you my final thing I was actually kind of surprised I was thinking someone would pick this because um i don't know uh, to me it's a iconic live record uh i'm talking about the ramones it's alive uh came out in 1979 it was a 2lp a double lp i'll never forget i knew when it came out and i had my dad drive me the only uh we were living in uh south florida broward county and the only record store that had it was one all the way in miami so i had my Dad drive me into Miami uh, to pick up this record. But uh, uh, it was actually recorded in 77 on New Year's Eve, December 31st in 1977 at the Rainbow Theater in London. Uh, It's just an amazing record. I mean, from the beginning to the end, it's just them. It's just the Ramones just crushing it. And I don't know, I'm sure, you know, live albums, they sort of sweetened the audience so... Obviously, everyone—you know—it was a packed house and everyone was into it. But it makes it sound like they're playing uh, like a stadium. And I just remember it was real exciting to me hearing this and thinking, "Wow, there's that many people that are like into this band, and this is like a this is like a real thing. This is like you know they they're as big as Led Zeppelin or Fogad or whoever the hell else I, I was into uh, before I got, got into punk rock. And it was just really exciting." and uh yeah this uh live album definitely got me high and i still love to just sit and i'll uh, listen to the whole thing again because uh it's awesome so uh once again thank you all uh, our patrons for uh sending in i really appreciate it i hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh like i said i really enjoy doing it and uh let's leave it with uh, the beginning of hey, the ramones When's it's the ramones, a it's what's